Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson and Aaron Johnson here with you this week. Ryan Pate out ill, unfortunately, but, well, who can blame him? This is a, a rather stale basketball team, and we're just trying to find some things to talk about. A couple of key storylines, though, to get into this week. Uh, but first, before we dive into it, Aaron, how you doing? You know what, Brendan? It's It's been an interesting week for the Pistons. Uh, you know, we're at a point in the season where everything that seems newsworthy is newsworthy with this team. And, you know, it's been an interesting week for them, some of the roster moves that they've made and just how it leads into the overlapping storylines uh, and thought processes of this team. Been an interesting week. I think it's time to get into it. Well, a couple of big storylines. The first being the buyouts for the Detroit Pistons. Both Reggie Jackson and Markeith Morris have their contracts bought out. Reggie Jackson with the Los Angeles Clippers. Markeith Morris also headed to Los Angeles. He's going to play with the Lakers. So the Pistons just shipping guys out to L.A. So either they bring them in, play Griffin, or they ship them out to L.A. with Reggie and Markeith going out there. Of course, these moves follow the trade deadline uh, move of trading Andre Drummond. So for Detroit, the guys that you saw, especially Reggie and Andre, those were your the, the pair, the duo, the beginning of that new look Pistons. They're gone and officially Detroit is in rebuild mode. Yeah, these two moves, um, interesting to say the least. I get the Reggie Jackson buyout, and I know we talked about it a few weeks ago on the podcast. Should the Pistons buy Reggie Jackson out? All three of us were in agreement that they should. Um, But I think the more interesting one is Markeith Morris. The team could have dealt him at the deadline. There were reports saying that they could get a second-round pick. Zach Lowe was... One of those people saying that there was a sec- the Pistons should be able to get a second-round pick from Markeith Morris. Then there was the quote from Ed Stefanski on his conference call in which he was saying, you know, he could have gotten a second-round pick for his expirings but couldn't put a name to it. And now people are walking it back saying that that's not what he was saying. He was referencing to last year that he could do that. I guess I'm not really sure. To me, I was on that call it sounded like he was referencing this year, or maybe it was a general quote. I think there was absolutely going to be a market for a player that was shooting 41% from the three-point line, is 6'10", can play the forward or the center spot, was having one of his better statistical seasons efficiency-wise. And quite honestly, it's your job as a general manager, as a senior advisor, whatever the hell your title is, to sell your players if you're trying to sell your players. Are you telling me you couldn't get a second-round pick for a guy that, for like I had already said, was playing as well as he was playing? To me, especially when there had already been reports that 
a slew of teams were interested in him. Different reports from around the league labeled so many different teams. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Celtics, the Nuggets. There were more. The Sixers were probably another one of those teams that were interested in acquiring Markeith Morris. Are you telling me that with six, seven teams interested in him, you couldn't get one of those teams to give you a second-round pick? I am not buying that. Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty embarrassing. Like, at the end of the day, make it happen. Find something. I understand a limited market for Reggie, even with second-round picks, because you got to match salaries and all that. But for Markeith Morris, that's an easy contract to move, and you should have been able to do it. But, going to be honest, at the end of the day, I'm not going to sweat over it. I'm not going to sweat over the second-round picks. Yes, they'd be nice because, yes, they're valuable. Yes, they're valuable in trades, on draft day, leading up to the draft, Maybe even in the future, when you need to acquire an asset, you have extra stored-up second-round picks that you can dump off in order to bring that's, in a guy that you need. That's the whole point. You know, the Pistons aren't a top-of-the-line team in terms of young talent. They're also not a top-of-the-line team in terms of pick collection. They don't really own many second-round picks. They do own their first-round picks, but their second-round pick cabinet is barren. They need to acquire second-round picks. They need to acquire picks in general, but second-round picks are easier to come by, especially when you have a player like Markeith Morris who had a player option, or, or excuse me, he had an option for next season. I can't remember if it's a player or team option right now, but a, a, a team-friendly, at least, option money-wise for next season. That's the kind of player that has value on the market. And, I mean, we saw it right away with the Lakers being the team to get him right off the bat uh, as soon as it was talked about that the Pistons were going to buy him out. Don't tell me that a team wouldn't give that up for uh, you know Markeith Morris. I just don't think that, that that's true. And it's your job to sell a team that they need to go and give up a second round pick to get him. I don't think that any of these you know top tier teams in the league vying for a guy like Morris and vying for other guys in the trade market weren't willing to give up a second round pick. The Pistons need any chance they they can get to add to their assets to have the ability to take a stab at someone, to take a shot at someone. Because, again, they don't have that top-tier young talent. They are not, you know, one of those teams that has elite young talent and you can see surefire prospects turning into something. They have some nice young players, but Sekou's looked awful lately. Luke Kennard's been out. Bruce Brown shows things. And then everyone else, I mean, if you consider Christian Wood... He's looked good, but Kyrie Thomas has been out. Thon Maker doesn't really count, in my opinion. And then your other young rookies, Davidus Savitas is overseas, Jordan Bone, Lewis King are down in the G League right now. No one really stands out amongst the pack. Luke Kennard and Sekou certainly look promising, but it, I don't know if either of them can be considered future stars. Not that a second-round pick is going to become a star, but as you mentioned, you can use second-round picks in deals to acquire talent, acquire assets, whatever it may be. And the Pistons missed at the deadline with opportunities to add to their asset base. And having those second-round picks is nice, especially when you've already had one player really look like he's going to be something that you yourself, your front office, has taken in the second round in Bruce Brown. And you're confident 
And another guy that you took just this past offseason, Jordan Bone, is going to be something. So for me, when I look at it, I don't see that there was not a team willing to give up a second-round pick. I have to believe that there was at least one team on the market willing to do that, especially with some of the other trades that had happened at the deadline. Yeah, you have to wonder, is or was Ed Stefanski so preoccupied with moving Andre Drummond at the deadline and how close that came to the wire that, hey, we got to get Dre out of town and we're going to do whatever we have to do to move Dre, that moving these other guys, a marquee for a Langston, became secondary business when, hey, we've got to move Dre. Because at the end of the day, these guys are expiring, so we can move on from them, we can unload them, we can buy them out, whatever. You're not going to buy out Andre Drummond. But you could buy out a Markeith Morris. And maybe because that trade took so long to process with Andre Drummond, there was a a very much lower priority to move those guys when we're negotiating second-round picks when, hey, you got to get Dre out of town. And maybe that's something that happened? I don't know. I mean, personally, I feel like it's your job to be able to make moves on a consistent basis when it's that time. And that's why you have a front office staff working for you. That's why you have Malik Rose. That's why you have, you know, scouts and other personnel in your office assisting you throughout these processes. Sure. But at the end of the day, if everybody's fielding calls and everybody's doing what they have to do to move Dre and they're all hands on deck to to make that move, does does a does acquiring one or two second round picks just it, it just loses I would, value. I would buy into that if the Pistons got anything of relative value in the Drummond trade, but they didn't. But the thing so is, it maybe that, it, it couldn't have been that complicated of a, of a trade. Well, maybe it was just a matter of getting a team to agree to it. Maybe it was really selling Cleveland on taking Dre. Because I, I don't know if I agree with that. You, To me, when it got down to the last day, you were not going to get a sexy return for Andre Drummond. It was just a matter of moving him. And it took till darn near the deadline to move Andre Drummond. So it might have just been a matter of getting Cleveland to pull the trigger and selling Andre Drummond to that franchise. Either way, you still had you still had hours to field calls and and get a, and get another move done. You 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 knew you had a, multiple players on your roster that could and should have been moved at the deadline. And you only move to one. Yeah, like, you have to prepare for that. I'm sorry. I, I, you don't I, have to make you don't have to make every trade the day of the trade deadline. You, you can don't, do it a day before. You can do. It but two the days flip before. side is, and, I, and I'm not trying to just be you know front office defenders, just to point out the other side of this. Maybe there's other conversations that were going on with Dre that included Markeith in the deal. Maybe included Langston as an expiring in the deal. Maybe there were other conversations that were going on that. You didn't want to end those talks necessarily, so you couldn't just go out and move Markeith for second-round picks. When, hey, maybe there's a chance we're still having talks with somebody and Markeith is included in the deal and there's some bigger going on that just fell through. Not saying that that happened, but just trying to think of the other side. Like At the end of the day, I'm not going to crucify the front office for not getting the second-round picks. I don't disagree it's their job, and it's their responsibility to make it happen. But I still, and I said this after the deadline, we had the conversation of was the trade deadline successful, and I stand by my answer of yes, because you moved on from Andre Drummond. 
and it allowed you now to buy out Reggie Jackson. And I know you didn't get picks in return for Markeith, but even buy out Markeith Morris. Langston Galloway comes off the books at the end of the year. Josh Smith's money comes off the books finally at the end of the year. You got expirings back. Like, I am a okay with now knowing that this year we're bottoming out, and next year we're going to be bottoming out. And we should have two very talented first round picks in Detroit going forward with Bruce, with Luke, with Seku, with Christian Wood, and other pieces they're able to add over the course of the next couple of years. And I'm excited about that. If this thing takes five years to rebuild, we're in trouble. By year three, this team should be back in a position to compete with Seku and Luke playing with experience now. Bruce Brown, not sure where he's going to be in the mix. And we're going to get into that topic a little bit later, so I don't want to dive too much farther into that. But I'm not going to crucify the front office over not getting the second-round picks because I still stand by, we've moved on from Dre, we've moved on from Reggie, we've established our direction. That's been the biggest thing we've been looking for from the Pistons, at least I have for a while, is what's your direction? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to accomplish bottoming out to get a top pick? Are we trying to accomplish competing to just make the playoffs? Or are we trying to accomplish being a contender ASAP and win in the playoffs and compete for a championship. And then what do you have to do once you establish that direction? Well, by trading Dre, they established we're bottoming out. Now what do you have to do? you got to buy out Reggie Jackson. Al, would have been nice if you could have traded some pieces at the deadline. Well, we're not going to let Markeith take minutes away from Thon and from Christian Wood. We've got John Henson on the roster if we need to use him because we just got him in the trade. Let another team. We're going to buy out Markeith, move on. Doesn't hurt us. I'll swing it in a different direction here uh, in terms of looking at the signings for both teams. I like the Reggie Jackson move for the Clippers. I honestly thought the Lakers should have really pushed harder for Jackson if possible because I think Jackson kind of fits what they need. Uh, They need another point guard, and he would have helped them in that regard off the bench. But the Clippers get a guy that, with Patrick Beverly, who's been battling injuries this year, a guy that can step into the starting lineup, that will then be able to move uh, to the bench and come off the bench with really a, a very talented second unit of, of guys that can just score the basketball. I mean, you look at the Clippers' second unit now of when healthy, Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamet, Lou Williams, Montrezel Harrell, and Marcus Morris. That's a really talented backup unit that, Maybe they aren't going to get a ton of stops, but going up against second units, they should very much outscore them. And I, I really like that signing for, for the Clippers. The Morris signing, to me, is a little bit of, from the Lakers' point of view, kind of just a okay signing. I don't think he really fits an area that they desperately needed. He's a fine player. He's going to add some depth to their team. But up front, they already have JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. They have Anthony Davis at the four. Kyle Kuzma has been playing the four. Now the plan with Morris coming in is for Kuzma to play more of the three. I don't know. They really needed a point guard. They didn't get a point guard. Again, Jackson would have been perfect for them on the buyout market. They didn't get Darren Collison either. So, But Morris will help them. There's no doubt about it. A guy that can shoot 41% from beyond the arc is tough, has some playoff experience, has some size. Like He will help them. 
just not as much as a Reggie Jackson would have. And it's surprising that the Lakers weren't a little more aggressive, maybe trying to pursue Jackson as the buyout became more and more apparent that that was possibly or likely going to happen. I have to think that I have to think that Paul George really impacted Reggie Jackson's decision because Jackson is very good friends with George, and I, I think you know I mean either one of those teams that you go to, you know you're joining a championship contender. I think getting to play with a, a close friend, and we you know not that we don't, Jackson could be friends with someone on the Lakers, but. You know, obviously we know his relationship with Paul George is strong, so that had to have been a, a rather large factor, I would think. Yeah, no doubt. I like the Clippers as a favorite out of the West anyways before the playoffs, and I know LeBron and the Lakers have had a very successful year, but uh, I, I still have liked what the Clippers have, and, and I know people have given them flack for the load management, but I'm a supporter of it because come playoff time, they're probably going to be in better shape. So... Adding Reggie's huge for them. You know, continuing to look at the Pistons though now, this new newer shape Pistons, no Markeith, no Reggie, no Andre. You've got to look at what are the rotations going to be like. And okay, well Bruce Brown now steps in as starting point guard. Well, officially I should say. Well, I don't know because Dwayne Casey's coming out saying that. The Pistons want to play Bruce as a shooting guard. They don't see him as a long-term point guard option. And and what does that mean for Bruce Brown? What does that mean for Luke Kennard? What does that mean for the point guard spot here in Detroit? Is that them just saying, hey, we're open to maybe drafting a point guard come the draft? Or you know, maybe Bruce can play that spot, but they're not married to him there? Does that mean Bruce is losing his spot in the starting lineup altogether? Or is Luke losing his spot in the lineup altogether? I just continue to lose faith in Dwayne Casey by the day at this point. You know, it's been with his rotations. It's been with him favoring guys that haven't had a ton of success on the court. Langston Galloway last year, Thonmaker this year. And this is just another one of those things that has me just shaking my head. Bruce Brown has come out this season and played so much better when he has been the point guard than when he has been the shooting guard. It's really not even close how much better Brown has looked leading, running the show, instead of playing off the ball. And it's just, to me, a terrible, terrible decision to switch Brown off of the point guard spot. Not only because he has had so much success there, but also because what the Pistons already have at the shooting guard spot. Luke Kennard is your shooting guard of the future currently. Some would say that Svima Hailuk is the Pistons shooting guard of the future. Two young shooting guards that are really just shooting guards. Neither is a three because neither is long enough to play the three. And neither is a point guard because they don't have the ball skills and all of those things. They are shooting guards. Like They are locked in shooting guards. And you are going to add a third young piece and pigeonhole him as a shooting guard when you have as your point guards Derrick Rose and Brandon Knight. I don't understand the logic. And it's not that I can't see the logic. There just is no logic in this decision. There is none whatsoever in taking Bruce Brown away from the point guard spot because it log jams you when you get healthy at the two spot. 
You also have to find minutes for Langston Galloway at the two, and we know Dwayne Casey will not take Galloway out of the lineup. And now, what? You're going to play Derrick Rose for 30 minutes a night and then go with Brandon Knight? What's the point of that? What is the point of Brandon Knight at 28-29 on an expiring contract coming in and taking away minutes from Bruce Brown at his, his better spot? That is the most asinine thing that you could do. And I just don't understand why the Pistons have co- have come to this decision. I, I just don't see any blueprint where this works out for them. Where they say, hey, when Luke comes back, which we want him back soon, and he's expected to be back soon. When Luke comes back and we have Svi, we're going to add Bruce Brown, along with Langston Galloway as our shooting guards. And we're going to end up playing Brandon Knight and Derrick Rose, who has struggled with injuries again as of late. And we're going to roll with them at the point guard spot. I don't, I, I, like I said, I continue to lose faith in Dwayne Casey. I'm not saying that the team should fire him, but I am saying that some, like, some of these decisions that he is making really have me questioning the, the, why, why he is the coach. Well, he's, he's proving that he may not be a great rebuild coach. You know, you know when you've got a competitive roster, Dwayne Casey can make your team better, can help your team win. He's a dang good coach. That's not the question. Just, I mean, you even saw it a little bit with like John Beeline in Cleveland, how he talked about how he could not stand the losing, and that really got to him. And there were other issues there, and, and I'm not going to lie, I feel bad for John Beeline and not even being able to finish out the, the full season. Um, I, I think some of his players were... We're pretty just, just, just wrong. I'll yeah, leave it at that's, that. That's a tough group to rebuild with. I mean, you have yeah. a bunch of veterans that have already won NBA championships, and they're kind of the holdovers from that championship roster. And then you have a bunch of young guys that don't really know what the NBA is like, and apparently aren't committed to re- going through a rebuild and working through it. I mean, you know, there are definitely some things. Not to go off on a tangent here, but like the Christmas Day practice. You don't need to do that. I get players and, and, and that being a problem. Absolutely. But for a guy that has the resume that John Beeline has, for you to not be able to work with it and give it at least a full season, that's tough. I do feel bad for Beeline in that sense. Not saying he's out of the wrong, but it's tough. Continue. Yeah, but maybe Dwayne Casey's going to prove that he's not the guy that's fit for a rebuild. How will he handle next year? You know? How will he handle next year? Because... Barring something unforeseen, Detroit's not going to win a lot of games. They're, They're not- going to try to. Hey, they are going to try to. No, I, I really, right now, they have money to play with. Don't tell me that they're not going to take some stabs in the offseason at Fred Van Fleet, at someone else on the market, and they're going to try to roll out a, a above-average free agent signing Luke Kennard, Tony Snell, Blake Griffin, and Christian Wood. God, that disgusts me. If that happens, I might quit. I'm just letting you know now. If that happens, I may walk away from this podcast. Because I just can't I can't sit here and talk about that garbage. Let's not even go down that road right now. Let's just not even go down that road. But at the end of the day, the whole conversation about Bruce Brown not being a point guard is very disturbing. Because he has, it seemed to be found a home at that spot. Is he a starting point guard for a 
quality team, a championship quality team in the NBA? I don't know. Probably not. But even if he is a backup. Exactly. Even if he is your backup point guard, which is exactly what you could be working with him to become as you have a top pick in a draft that is full of point guards, a.k.a. Killian Hayes. I'm going to say his name every week until the draft. But in, you mold him to become your backup one that can obviously play the two. Sure, of course. P- positional versatility is almost necessary to have at this day and age in the NBA. Yep. That's great. So why pigeonhole him as a two when he's already played better as a one? And he's a guy that is part of your long-term future. Mm-hmm. It just, there's no... I, I love more explanation on on the on Dwayne, from Dwayne Casey on that. I read his quote, didn't get anything from it other than I'm making a stupid decision. Yeah, it's 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 disturbing, to say the least. It's disturbing. So, you look at Detroit going forward, and Bruce Brown going to play the two. They've bought out Mark Keefe. They've bought out Reggie. You know, it's a matter of just continuing to lose games at this point. You know, there's not a there's not a ton else to get to get excited about. There's not a ton of news surrounding this team right now. Those are the storylines. I mean, hey, that's fine. Let's uh, you know, we could talk about the Pistons signing Derek Walton Jr. and Dante Hall, couple guys that they've brought in to fill some roster spots. As you let Reggie walk, you let Markeith walk. So, if that's a storyline, we can get into that too. Yeah, I mean. There are two signings that are somewhat intriguing. I, I like the Dante Hall one because the Pistons don't really have a ton of intrigue center spot outside of Christian Wood, and, and they're playing Thon Maker, and they have John Henson, and both of those guys do absolutely nothing for me. So it's nice that they give Dante Hall a chance who is abs- abso- has absolutely dominated the G League this season with the Grand Rapids Drive. When you look at the year that he has had, you can see exactly why the Pistons decided to call him up. And and he's a guy that I do hope the Pistons give a shot to in his time with the team because he was very productive with the drive, averaged a double-double, 15 points, 10 rebounds a game, very athletic inside, and... I know he's a little bit older for a rookie. He's 23 years old. I get that. But he still has intrigue for the Pistons. And when you are a team that doesn't have a ton of that, they, they like this is a guy that you, you give a chance to. I guess he's technically still only 22. He'll be 23 at the beginning of next season. But this is a guy that you take a chance on and, and, and you give a shot to because when you do the things that he has done, in his rookie season in the G League, there's there's no reason to to not give him a look, especially when you have the minutes available because you don't need to be playing John Henson and Don Maker, you know. So it's a good signing. Um, the Derek Walton one, I'm not as and this is coming from a Michigan fan. I'm not as excited about Walton. Already a little bit older, he's had a couple seasons in the NBA where. He hasn't done anything too impressive, but I guess it's whatever. You know, this is a team that's, again, not going to play Bruce Brown at the point guard spot. 
So I guess I'd rather see Walton playing point guard minutes than Brandon Knight. Not that that will happen because Dwayne Casey doesn't coach like that. He'll coach to win and play Tony Snell 35 minutes, Brandon Knight 25 minutes off the bench, Derrick Rose 30 minutes. You know, he'll play his veterans till the end in a 20-point blowout. But theoretically, it would be better to watch Derrick Walton Jr. play basketball for the Detroit Pistons than it would be Brandon Knight. I'm not sure how long either of these guys last. I think if I had to pick one to be on the team by the end of the season, I would pick Dante Hall just because of what he's done in the G League. I think there's more intrigue around him. Derek Walton's kind of, you know what he really is at this point, unless something changes and he really is able to put it together. But I, I like that the Pistons are being active with the roster spots. They're not just sitting around. I hope that they both get a look, and I hope that the Pistons continue to be proactive. If Hall, if Walton get a shot and they don't look too impressive, I hope that they're already looking at some other guys to give a chance to because that is a big part of running a front office, finding those gems. There's always gems in the G League that just need a chance. We have seen it every single year, and it continues to become more prevalent that there are guys in the G League that just need a shot at the NBA level. So even if neither of these guys work out for Detroit, they have these two roster spots now, and they need to continue to scout and scour the G League to find talent. But I am very I will say this one more time. I'm very intrigued with Dante Hall. A little bit undersized as, as a center. He's just 6'9", but he's so athletic. He hustles. He rebounds. Like He does the things that excite you for uh, you know a guy that could come in and play quality backup center minutes. I'm not saying that Dante Hall is some all-star level player. I'm not giving him Ben Wallace comparisons like I'm seeing in my Twitter mentions. But I'm saying, hey, this is a guy that I'm willing to give a chance to and see what he can do. Maybe he has a future in the NBA as a backup center. Yeah, at least give it a try, right? You're sitting at the sixth is the sixth worst team in basketball right now. Even though those Eastern Conference standings are all close, and uh, everybody in that range is right there in the mix of playoff positioning. I should say draft positioning at this point. You know, standings positioning and all that. But at the end of the day, you've got to go out. And you got to take some flyers. You got to try. You got to do something because now you're you're basically playing with house money. This is all just. This is basketball. These are games you want to lose, but free basketball that you can experiment with. You know, experiment with it. If it costs you games, then all the better. And if you win games because you found some young talent, okay. I mean, you want the better draft pick, but at least then you're finding some pieces that maybe you can utilize going forward. So there's no losing in this situation. Yeah, no no doubt. And, and these are two guys that, at least, you know, Hall, our guys with some potential still. You know, Hall has done some nice things in the G League. He's even showing off a little bit of a three-point shot. It's not there yet. He's shooting just 27% from the three-point line on less than an attempt per game. But it looks like it's something that it's something that can be worked with. It's something that can be developed, and that adds an element to his game as an undersized center. Being able to step outside the three-point line, that's a good thing to be able to do. And that's something that needs to continue to be built upon in his time with the organization. So... This is a signing that intrigues me. Again, the Derek Walton one. Again, a Michigan fan. I like it. You know, I'm glad he's taking another shot. I'm not holding out hope that there's a, a big-time player in there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Pistons manage these 10-day these contracts. Because usually, 
you don't sign a guy to a 10 day contract if you're not going to play him. Right. So I hope that the Pistons uh, have told Wayne Casey that he has to play these guys somewhat and give them a chance. Especially, especially Hall. And I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, push Derek Walton Jr. out of the equation or anything. But the Pistons could really use another center right now. John Henson's a great dude. I'm sure of it. But we don't need to see John Henson on the court for 20 minutes tonight. Give this, give these next 10 days and these next however many games they are, four or five, whatever. Give them to Dante Hall, and and see what he does with it. If he doesn't do anything with it, fine. Now you can move on and you can bring it, bring up a different player, whatever. But give him a chance to prove himself. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Well, that's kind of where things stand. That's the news surrounding the Pistons and the the new faces that are in town. So Detroit heads west, begins the West Coast trip. Hopefully continuing to position themselves at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings and in a good spot for the NBA draft. So, Aaron, anything else for this week? No, I mean, I'm going to be looking at, at, at how the young guys play. Right now, currently, the Pistons have Kyrie Thomas back. Uh, he made his season debut with the Grand Rapids Drive the other day, scored 27 points, then had 7 points Sunday afternoon on a tough 2 of 13 shooting performance with the Drive. Jordan Bone and Lewis King both back down in Grand Rapids as well. Um, but just continuing to see how the rest of the young guys play. If those guys get brought up anytime soon, I think the plan is for Thomas to join the big team uh, here for the next week, uh, in the next week or so. And, and, you know, how does Hall look? How does Walton look? Does Seku ever somewhat figure it out here relatively soon and show that he can get somewhat back into it? Does Luke return, you know? Those are just some things that I'm looking out for. I really want to see Kennard return and and get to play with Sekou and some of the other young guys on the roster. Will the team make Dwayne Casey play Bruce Brown point guard? I sure as hell hope so. Really, really sad times, let's be honest. PalaceofPistons.com. Check out all the great written content there. Of course, wherever you're listening to the podcast, like, rate, review, subscribe. No doubt about that. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You know the deal. We're out there. So continue to follow along and bear with us with this, well, kind of terrible team. But think positively. Got to continue to lose and position yourself for the draft. So every time the Pistons lose, guess what? They're taking a step in the right direction. So with that being said, for Aaron Johnson, I'm Brendan Johnson. We'll see you next time here in the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.